Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Lord, I pray over this time of sharing the powerful, mind-changing deliverance word that you have for us today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it just not encourage us for a moment, but it would change us from the rest of our lives. I pray that your word, Lord, as a seed would fall onto our hearts and bear its fruit, Father, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers. My prayer this morning, Lord, is as I speak your word, that the Holy Spirit would come upon those that hear it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint me and use me to speak exactly what you want your body to hear. I thank you, Lord. We surrender this time unto you. Change us, Lord, that we would never be the same because of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. So I have kind of a two-part series with a, 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 a word on baptism sandwiched in between them. Today we're going to cover God said. In two weeks we're going we're to cover uh, you say, or say so is what I believe I called it. So God said, say so, and then we're going to talk about baptism next week. If you've already been baptized in, in water and you think that you know everything about baptism, uh, that's not true. So come next week. You're going to be blessed to hear it. It's for everyone, not just those that are being baptized. Uh, if you are on the list and you are being water baptized, uh, please be part of that. So it helps you kind of know what's going on. It's not necessary. As I read through the Bible and I, and I, and I uh, uh, see how things were done in the book of Acts right now, on Wednesday nights, you guys are welcome to join us. Uh, we are from 6 to 7. We have prayer. From 7 to 8, we have what we're calling Fishers of Men Discipleship Class. And uh, that class is, is one of the greatest things that I'm doing in ministry right now. I enjoy it very much. And um, not just because Johnny's there, but I enjoy it very much. And uh, we're going through the book of Acts. And, and I'm learning so much about what God intended the church to be and how, the, how God intended. If you go to the beginning when it was founded, you see how it's changed over these years. God did not change his mind. We changed it. So we're, we're making adjustments and we're working uh, uh, our way back to uh, learning what God expects of us. And if you see there, the people were getting saved, thousands of them, and then they would get immediately baptized. So, and there's no teaching on baptism between the time they got saved and the time they got baptized. So that doesn't mean that it wouldn't help you to learn and to know what's going on and to be baptized. And some of us are, you know, we're, oh, let me not use that word. We're, we're kind of stuck on certain things because of how we've been taught, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or baptized in the name of Jesus. That happened both ways, by the way. 
I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, so nobody can say anything. Right? Cover all bases, and nobody can say anything. So, uh, but it happened both ways. And it's more about the action of going under the water and coming back out than it is about anything else that's happening that day. So, and I'll teach more about that next week. But today we're going to cover God said. So what God says about you is ignited by you agreeing with what he already said. Not by trying to explain what he said. I was listening to Francis Chan. Uh, I, I listen to him once in a while when I want to get spanked. Um, so I was listening to Francis Chan. If you guys know who I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. So he's, he's sharing, and, and he says, uh, uh, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And he's going through that scripture, and his ways are, are greater than my ways and, and higher than the heavens. And he's, he's doing his thing, you know, and he does his little whiny thing. If you guys know, he kind of, and he whines through some of his sermon, and, and he's doing his thing. And then he goes, after he reads the scripture, he goes, do you want to know what I think? And the whole stadium goes, yes. And he goes, no. <laughs> I want to know what he thinks. <laughs> they were all there to hear Francis Chan, and he goes, you guys are wrong. You're not here to hear me. You're here to hear, we, you're here to hear him. We want to know what God has to say, not what I think God said or my translation of what God said. We have plenty of those people that do that. I'm going to explain to you, right, exactly what God meant here. I can't do that. I'm not God. His thoughts are higher than mine. All I can do is tell you what the Holy Spirit is ministering to me, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will minister the same thing to you, and there will be a confirmation of God's Word. For out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word should be established. So too often, you know, we, we say things about ourselves that are against what God says about us. That's basically an argument. It's a deliberation between you and God. I don't know about you, but I don't think anybody in this room has created the heavens and the earth and put people on it, and, and right? I don't think any, if you do that, then you can sit down and, and have a deliberation with God. None of us here have gone to the cross and been crucified for the sake of the world. He got, he got the seat next to the God, right? He got the right hand of the God. And the Holy Spirit got the other side, so I think all the seats are taken up there. <laughs> But if you read through the prayer in Ephesians, it says that we are seated in him. So even though he's up there, we're seated in him. And the world is our footstool. Oh, don't get me started on the Ephesians prayers. But we need to begin to agree with what God is already saying about us. And quit arguing with God. In Proverbs, I got a lot of scripture because if you're going to learn about what God said about you, we need to see what God said. Proverbs 16, 23. A wise man's heart, not mind, guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. Luke 6, 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, not mind, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, not the mind, his mouth speaks. You thought that you were controlling your words. The words coming out of your mouth are controlled by what you've already put into your heart. Your mind does, your mind, you know, receives that word and then it puts it here and then it comes. That's the, the GPS, God's 
positioning system, right? It goes from here to here to here. So if something against God's word is coming out of your mouth, it's because you put it there. If God's word is coming out of your mouth, it's because you put it in your heart. <coughs> Excuse me. If a proper confession comes from the heart, then we must give the heart a proper vocabulary so that it speaks blessings and not curses. That proper vocabulary is what God says. We have that. Have you seen that bumper sticker? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's not true. God said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. God don't need you to believe it to make his word powerful. Right? He already said it. He created and framed the worlds with the words of his mouth. There was nobody there to agree with him. He just did it. Out of nothing, he made something. <laughs> because he spoke it. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them. Everybody say, keep them. Keep them in the midst of your heart, not mind. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep them. It's to incarcerate them and throw away the key. That means that you have put them someplace that they cannot escape from. You see, your mind is the one that you can talk yourself out of anything. So your mind deliberates and it goes back and forth. You might receive the truth, but then the enemy comes with a little doubt and tries to put the lies in there. And then you go back and forth in your mind. But once you have settled it in your heart, your heart does not deliberate. It just accepts whatever you've given it. Now, that sounds great, right? Oh, yeah, I got faith because I put the word of God in my mouth. No, that works good or bad. Because if you put something in your heart that's not from the word of God, and it's not what God has said about you, then what happens? Then you, there's no deliberation. That has to be uprooted. Right? That has, you have to put the axe to the root of those words and those things that you have spoken or others have spoken over you that go against what God said about you. Proverbs 7, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them to your fingers, write them on the tablet of your hearts. Write them on the, t it cannot be erased. You can't erase a, uh, you know, now, yeah, nowadays a tablet, I guess, but that's not what it means. <laughs> it's not an, an iPad, <laughs> right? It's an actual concrete piece of rock that they write these things on. Let it be written on your heart that way so it cannot be erased. It'll always be there. We, we were in Utah a couple months ago. Hieroglyphics, am I saying that right? So they're on these rocks. Oh, this has been here for, you know, a thousand years. And these in the, and you go into these little caves and there's these carvings. And, you know, I'm a skeptic. So I, not about the word, just about some of what people tell me. So I go in there and I'm looking and I'm like, and I want to, they don't let you touch. So I'm like, I want to see. It looks like they did that last week. And it's been a long time. So I'm thinking that rock would have finally, you know, eventually it's going to erase off. And I'm looking really close to try and figure out if somebody looked fresh, you know, try to see if it looked fresh. And it didn't. It looked like it had been there a long, long time. Because somebody etched it into that rock. They, they can't get rid of it. That's how the word should be on your heart. 
in a way that you can't get rid of it. Psalms 119, verses 8 through 16. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a, a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have what? Hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You got a sin problem? No, you got a word problem. There's not enough word. You need more word, right, so you can fight off this sin. That's what it's telling me, that I might not hide. I will hide. I have hidden in my heart. David struggled with sin. But he says, look, I'm going to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O, o Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, here's your confession, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. He's talking head and heart, because this is where you forget. This is where you don't. You put it up here, you forget. The older people are like, yeah, I know. I still can't get anybody to explain to me why I can remember a 19, early 1980s rock song and sing it from beginning to end, all the words of the rock song, no matter how anti-biblical and, and bad it is. You're in a store, they put on Journey, everybody sings, right? They put on Zeppelin or they put on something like that, stuff that I don't even listen to anymore. That was before Jesus. And I could still... Hotel California. You know how horrible that song is? I can still sing it word for word. I can't get the words out of my head. And yet I have to read the words for my worship song up here. I got to renew. We got to continually renew. I'm still trying to renew stuff from the 80s. Tell us our mind is not, uh, and our heart is not a place where things are kept, hidden. The Word of God belongs in your heart. If the Word of God had a GPS, a God-positioning system, with a final destination of your heart, the directions would begin in your mind. Because that's where it starts. The mind receives the knowledge of His Word, and the heart is the final destination. As I said earlier, you deliberate it up here. Once you've accepted it, you know what happens with this? You want to see. I walk by faith, not by sight. But I want to see. I want proof. I want evidence. And facts, you can get evidence for facts all day long. Just because somebody says it over and over again doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> I'll say it. Just because CNN says it over and over again doesn't make it true. People do that. They say something over and over again, and you just, we just accept it. Somebody came out, and I, this is not politics, I'm just talking about how we receive things in our mind. There was a, a discussion about our economy. And somebody came out and says, our economy hasn't been this good in over 80 years. Our unemployment rate is the lowest it's ever been. And they went on and on and on. 
And I don't know about you. I don't know a lot about that stuff. I don't keep up with a lot of that stuff because I, I live in a kingdom and I don't live in this world. So, you know, we need to inform ourselves. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but, you know, I'm, I'm more I'm kingdom minded. So I'm a little different. Uh, you know, no matter what the economy says, the kingdom always provides. So they're, they're going back and forth about this in, in our heads. And, and, and they're saying all these things. And I'm thinking, is, do people just believe that? So I went online. And you could find people, you know, you, you, uh, I have this Alexander Green, if you guys know who that is. Um, uh, he's a Christian guy that is one, he's a, a stock guy, and he tells you what to invest in and when to sell and all that. And, and he has these little videos and all. He's the only one in that, in, in that type of market that I really kind of trust. He's been doing it forever. And, and, uh, and, you know, like I said, he's a Christian. He does everything practically for free. He's not trying to get you to, to buy anything or anything like that. He's just trying to help people. Uh, invest their money but you go to his website and they, and they have graphs and they tell you and i'm looking at this and i'm going this guy is saying the opposite of what this is what it actually is i mean just gas prices alone was was is is a trigger it's like a, a red flag yeah. i'm like just because somebody says it over and over and over again doesn't make it true but once somebody gives you evidence then it becomes a fact See, but the truth doesn't need evidence because the truth always trumps facts because the truth is based on God's word. It's not based on what you see, what you feel, what you're experiencing, what the economy says. What it doesn't, it's not based on that. It's based upon what God said, no matter what's happening. But what do we do? We speak about what's happening because we keep getting fed about what's happening and we get enough evidence to call it a fact and then we just we surrender to it. I, I'm so tired of surrendering to what others are saying about my life, about my wealth, about my, my health, about anything. I want to start saying and believing the truth of what God says. His word and the heart is the final destination. That's where you keep, you hide, and you write it on the tablet. So what is your, your first confession of faith? You know, uh, a few weeks ago we talked about you know, first love. In, in Revelations, it talks about the church, and it talks about how awesome the church was doing, and then all of a sudden it says, but I have one thing against you. Oh, that's, that, that just you know makes your head go down, right? Like, oh, here it goes. I was doing so good. But Romans 10, 8 through 10, this is where it all began. This was your first love, and how did that start? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yes. 10. For with the heart one believes unto, not with the mind. That's why we go, oh, I'm going to believe, I'm believe, I'm believe. And we make faces. We look constipated, right? We just, I want to believe, I want to believe. It. That's, it's not something you do by your own physical strength in your mind. It's something you do by feeding your heart. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation is not just something that happened on the cross, and now we're all saved because he did that. It requires something of us. 
Thank God that it doesn't require us to go to the cross. All it, it, it cost us is to require us to believe what he did and what he said about what he did and then to confess it with my mouth that I believe what happened there and I receive Jesus in my heart as my Lord and Savior because my mind already convinced my heart that my God lives and he died and he resurrected three days later and because of that I am saved and one day I will spend eternity with him. I just believe it. This God that you don't see, where is he? I don't need evidence. He died. He died. The directions from the heart to the mouth are specific. One must believe with the heart first, and then confession comes after. Your, listen to this very carefully. Your confession does not put the word of God in your heart. Faith does. What the world has done with positive thinking and positive confession is they've turned that around on us, and they say, if you confess enough and you declare enough with your mouth, then it shall be. No, it shall be because God said so. What comes out of my mouth agrees with what God said. What comes out of my mouth doesn't change my circumstance. What changes my circumstance is agreeing with what he said. But the world, through New Age, and through, they want to teach you that if you think positive, you speak positive, then positive you shall have. That's not true. I'm sorry. But your confession of the word comes from your heart, and it comes from a place where you've already planted that seed in your heart. So your confession doesn't give you faith. It's the same way with faith without works is dead. We think that our works is going to give us faith. Well, you know, uh, I had tennis elbow and I moved my arm like this for three and a half days and it still hurts. Well, because you have faith in this and not in what he said. If you have faith in what he said, the healing will cause you to do this without pain. It's the other way around. Same thing with confession. This is not a teaching on positive confession that causes positive results. We confess what we believe, which is determined by what we receive from the word. Listen, without the word, our confession has no power and no promise of an outcome. So what we want to do is we, we learn, and, and, and listen, I've done all these things. I'm not picking on anybody. We learn through the faith movement and through different teachings that confession it's important, and it absolutely is. And then we go to a Mercedes dealership, and we put our hands on a $150,000 car when we don't make that in 10 years, and we put our hands on it, and we begin to confess something. That's not according to the Word. That's not according to the Word. So we say, well, whatever you, whatever you say, you shall have, according to the Word. We're not in control of that. He is. We're just agreeing with what he promised in his word. Our confession must be declared according to his word. So confession has five parts. It should center around these five things. What God has done for us in the plan of redemption. We talked about that just a minute ago, right? We should be confessing our salvation, our healing, our deliverance, our forgiveness, how much mercy he's given us, right? That should be our confession on redemption. Number two, what God has done in us through his word and his spirit. You begin to confess who God sees you as, not how you see yourself. Number three, 
what we are to the Father in Christ Jesus. That's a big one because religion has taken that and really twisted it into a place of we should be punished for every bad breath we take. Right? We should be punished every time we look to the left or look to the right or don't do this or don't do that. No. Our confession should be according to what we are in the Father in Christ Jesus or what we are to the Father in Christ Jesus. Number four, what Jesus is accomplishing for us now in the Father's right hand where he is making intercession for us. Jesus is praying for you every day, every moment. He's making intercession for us. Sounds like love to me. Number five, what God can accomplish through us. This is powerful. What God can accomplish through us. This is, we, struggle, we struggle with some of these, but this one we really struggle with because we have our own weaknesses and we have our own... And, and nowadays, <laughs> we are so bombarded with... Uh, uh, and, and I'm not picking on these things, but we're so bombarded with scientific explanations for why we behave the way we behave. And some of that, yeah, it's good to understand. It's good to know. I want to know why you know, I'm having this anxiety attack. I want to know. Don't you want to know? But why do I want to know? I want to know so that I can pray. I want to know so I can target my prayer. And, and what's my prayer going to say? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Well, that just makes me anxious because it's telling me to be anxious for nothing. Well, we stop there. Meditate on these things. It works. That are good, that are praiseworthy, that are virtuous, that are of love, right? Meditate on those. You, you have at least one good thing in your life that you can focus on. At least one good thing. You should have a lot more, but at least one good thing. Let's look at some examples in the Old Testament. Numbers. I'm going to read uh, verse, uh, chapter 13, verses 17, 18, 25, 27 through 28, and 30 through 32. So I skipped some of the verses in there just to make it uh, uh, a little shorter, uh, only the verses that I want to use for this particular message. But in verse 17, uh, Numbers 13, verse 17, then Moses sent them to spy on the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains. You guys know the story, right? And see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. He already gave them what to look for, right? So now he's looking for them, 25. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Then they told him and said, <laughs> we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Ooh, it's a good place. Nevertheless, they messed up. Nevertheless, people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, Goliath and his brothers, and the giants. Goliath's brother with six toes and six, you know, fingers. Got to have a pretty big foot and hand to have an extra toe sticking out there. 
30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up and at once take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad or an evil report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. What were they? They were going by what they, by what they saw. Numbers, Numbers 14, uh, verse 6, is 6 through 9. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied the land, they tore their clothes. They were mourning over what was being said. And they spoke to all the congregation of Israel, saying, they were probably pretty ticked off at this point, the land that we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good land. What's wrong with you all? If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us out this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel. What's he saying? They, did they really rebel against God? They did because of their confession. They kept saying how big the inhabitants were. They kept saying how it's fortified. It's a city that's fortified. They're, they're the inhabitants of Anak. They're, they're relatives of Goliath. All their confession was bad. And what Joshua and Caleb are saying, you're going against God. Your confession is against what God has said. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. And they are, they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Come on, you can eat bread without teeth. You could gum breath. Bread. You can gum bread. What did I say, bread? You can gum it and eat it. It's soft. It's good. Add a little butter to it, right? Bread is easy to eat. It's not, what is he saying? I have set up a table in the midst of your enemies. What does that mean? I'm going to eat while my enemy watches me eat because I'm in such peace and confidence that what God said is true that my enemy can't even touch me while I have my meal. It doesn't, it's like, come on, just relax, chill out. He's trying to tell them. See, all 12 spies saw the same thing. They all saw the giants, the walls of strength in the armies, but 10 of them were looking through the eyes of unbelief, and two of them saw the circumstances through the eyes of faith because they knew what God had what? Said. They knew what God said. Why do I have faith and I have this? And I, do you know what God said about your circumstance? Can you back up what you're believing for and what you're praying for with at least four scriptures to stand on? I learned that in, in Bible school that whenever you're teaching anything, you know, you have, you have, if you use one scripture, then you're pretty much like this, right? I can barely do it right now. There we go, right? Like a flamingo. My wife told me to quit acting like a flamingo, and I put my foot down. It's a dad joke. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> but then you get, you get two scriptures, right? You can still be pushed over because, you know, you got a little bit more leverage. You get down on three, right? I can still be pushed over like a three-legged table, but when you got all four, ain't nobody pushing you over. When you're standing on the Word of God and you've got reinforcement because of what he said, All 12 spies saw the same thing. See, it wasn't the giants in the, li- in the land of Canaan who kept the Israelites out, but the giants of fear in their hearts. It wasn't. God already told them what was going to happen. Joshua and Caleb saw everything just like they did, but they chose what God said. David and Goliath. I won't be reading that, but in 1 Samuel 17 is another great example. Not only was Goliath huge and standing out there, send me your best fighter, and blah, 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 and he was, right, but he wouldn't shut up. I think Goliath knew something, that if he put enough negative word into the hearts of the, of the Israelites that they were not going to come down and fight him, that he was going to win. He was winning with his words. He, wasn't even, he didn't even need to, to use his sword. He was already winning with his words. And what does David do? The first thing that comes out of his mouth. He delivers the bread. He delivers the cheese. Here's this little redhead. I talked about him earlier. Little ruddy guy, you know, he kind of shows up. And what does he do? What comes out of his mouth? What is his confession? With these hands, with these hands, I grabbed a lion by his beard and I killed him. And I killed a bear with these hands. What is he saying? Who is that uncircumcised Philistine down there? I've already taken down a bear and a lion. He had notches on his belt. He knew that guy had nothing on him. But the the Israelites had been hearing this guy day and night and day and night. The words of Goliath in their ears. David shows up and says, forget you guys. There's such a message there. They try to put his brother's armor on him. This doesn't fit because my battle is not going to be determined by what the world calls me or by what the world thinks my strength is or by what the world says my protection is. My protection is of God. I'm going down there in the name of the Lord. That is my armor. Just give me a couple of rocks and a slingshot. I'm good. I can't preach that. He puts him down on the ground and then takes the sword. Can you imagine how big this sword was and how heavy it was? And he takes off the enemy's head with the enemy's sword. (laughs) Say something now, big guy. (laughs) Imagine... There's, a, there's pictures, when you read through, there's pictures of David holding his Goliath's head, and he's walking up the thing. Can you imagine all those Israelites going, that's not your little brother? <laughs> Isn't that little red-headed guy that came and brought us cheese and bread? He's making us look bad. Verse 
Does your circumstance, circumstance seem like a giant way too big for you to handle? Every time you try to raise your voice, it starts to yell over you. You are not able. You're sick because of your sin. You've done this. You've done the other. You're in the circumstance you're in because of your own fault. God's not going to help you. God's mad at you. You're, you're not worthy of these things. You don't deserve that. All those words that are being planted in your mind are making their way to your heart. And we wonder, oh, why isn't my faith working? Because all those words and all those sayings have to be replaced with the word of God. You have to have a response, a verbal response, not a, you know what God said about me, that, you know, no. I am more than a conqueror, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not about my own strength. Gideon's Confession. We're going to read through several verses here. I want you to, to listen to this conversation, deliberation that Gideon is having with God. Judges chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. Take the H out, it's Oprah. That belonged to Joash and Ebezerat, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. Do you realize what this guy's doing? He's in a wine press. There's moisture. You're kind of in a cave because it keeps the temperature. If you've ever been to Napa Valley, a lot of the wine uh, makers there, they, they dig out caves in the mountains so that they can keep the, because it's 72 degrees all the time. They don't have to air condition anything. They just keep it in these caves. I've walked through these caves, bottles of wine piled to the ceiling. And as far as you can see, it's incredible. They dig these out and they put them in there. But there's a, a certain humidity and moisture. And you know, when you thresh wheat, you really need to be outside in the heat where you hit the threshing floor and then you throw it up and winnow. They call it winnowing. And the, the, the breeze blows through there and it takes the shaft out so that you can use the wheat. And then you crush the wheat to make the flour to make the bread. He's hiding in a wine press threshing wheat. It's so backwards because he's scared of the Midianites. And right in the midst of all that, God sends an angel and says, hey, mighty warrior. Can you imagine? He, he's sitting there scared that somebody's going to catch him, and he's hiding, and he went doing something he should be doing outside. He's doing it inside, and he's, he's hiding. And then God shows up. Hey, you, mighty warrior. God saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't even see in Gideon. God sees something in us that we don't see in ourselves. Gideon's confession, Judges 6.13. But sir, speaking to the angel, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? That's what happened. Something happened. 
And you're in the midst of believing for something, and the opposite is happening. And it's in that happening that we lose our faith. Because we think that what should happen should be all good, and we should live this life of, right? You get saved, and you receive Jesus, and your mortgage company calls and says, I heard you got saved today. We're going to cancel out your mortgage. Your son and your daughter come home. They're teenagers. Mom and dad, I'm so sorry. I've been behaving so bad. I'm going to obey you and do everything that you asked me to do from now on. And I'm going to, I'm going to help you with the yard. And I'm going to take out the garbage without complaining. And, 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 and at school, I'm going to tell everybody what wonderful parents we have. That's exactly what happens when you get saved, isn't it? No. Something else happens. Sometimes all hell breaks loose. But what's happening doesn't matter. Because God said, Gideon is there going, after everything that's happened to us, we've been in slavery, we've done this, we've done that, all this stuff, I almost put a different word in there, all this stuff has happened to us, and now you're telling me that we're, we're going to be, come on, after everything that's happened, see, your focus is on what's unhappening, and what's happening, and everything that has happened. I was thinking the other day, uh, I asked Ricky, one time when we were at Faith Family, I said, can you play a Beatles song for me? He said, yeah. I said, can you play Yesterday? And I preached the whole message on how to get rid of yesterday. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. That was pretty good. I think I sounded pretty good. I don't think I've ever sounded that good. Seems that, yeah. What can you do? It's our yesterday, and all the stuff that's happened to us, all the stuff that we've done, everything that's happened to us, everything that we've happened into our own life, if that's even a way to say that, keeps us from receiving the promises that God has said. Why? Because we're focused on what happened. We're focused on what's happening. And that's what happened with, with Gideon. He says, but sir... If the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? It doesn't matter what's happening to you. The Lord is with you. The victory is guaranteed. The journey is not. Were all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. This hasn't even happened yet. He's confessing and professing that, th that they've been handed over to the Midianites. It hasn't even happened yet. But he's already said it. He's already thrown his hands up in the air. So Gideon responds with that. And here's what God says in verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in strength. You have and save Israel of Midian's hand. I am I not? Am I not sending you? All this stuff that happened to you may have been by your own works. But this time, I'm sending you. This time you're going in my power and in my works. So Gideon's confession. Judges 6:15. But Lord, Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Gideon, still confessing, still professing 
what he sees. Yet God chose Gideon. What Gideon is, is saying here is probably a fact. Smallest in his family, he's most insignificant in his family. You know, I have brothers and sisters that all are educated, and, and I have these, you know, and I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one, I'm the black sheep of the family. I was that for a little while, right? I'm this, and, I'm, and we go through all the, and we, uh, and look, and we compare ourselves to others. That is the worst thing you could do. The worst. I told somebody the other day, I said, they, they, were, they called to find out they haven't been coming, so they're listening to me online. So they said, when, it, when does it come out? When does it come out? I want to watch it online. And I said, oh, it should be out by Tuesday, Wednesday, the video, but the audio usually comes out on Sunday. No, 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 I'd rather, I'd rather watch it. I want to watch it online and, and when, you, when you preach online. And, I, and I, I go, isn't there like some pretty dynamic preachers out there, some pretty incredible charismatic guys that are much better preachers than I am? And she said, Yep. <laughs> I was like, well, thank you. I was hoping to get a compliment. You know, say, oh, no, you're the best. You know, that's not what she said. She said, oh, yeah. But I get the truth and I get the word from you. And I understand. I'm not that, I'm not that guy. I'm not the, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Right? Remember TDJ? How he doesn't do the get ready anymore. You start sweating. You ever, that guy can sweat through a suit, a three-piece suit. He sweats through his suit. I don't know how he does that. Stephen Furtick has these nuggets, man. He says these phrases, and I'm like, wow, man, where did he come up with that? And then there's a few there that are not very biblical, but I'm not going to say much about those. But I still listen to him. It's like, wow, man, I want to be able to say those things. And the Lord says, no, you're Rick. Be Rick. They make apples. You make mangoes. <laughs> right? Quit trying to give somebody else's fruit. That delivered me, man, so much. You have no idea. Am I not the one sending you, says the Lord? And Gideon, still having his temper tantrum, in verse 15, But Lord, <laughs> Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. Okay, so God's proclamation to that. I am the least in my family. And then judge, uh, Judges 6, 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites. What's the word? Together. 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 That's the problem. We don't think God's on our side. We think that we have to fight. We read a scripture or we stand on a word, and then we go and we work and we fight it. And we, right, instead of going, God, my prayer for the last six months has been, Lord, I need more discernment. There needs to be more discernment. We need to know when and how. We want to do stuff. You know, when, when uh, and, and I should have mentioned this earlier, um, our sister Sharon has gone to be with the Lord, if you didn't know that already. So she was very sick, and, and she was going through a lot. We were praying for her, the prayer of faith. Many of us had visited her every day. She was getting four or five visitors from the church going there. And then one day, she looked at us, and she says, with a big smile on her face, she says, I'm ready. I want to go home. What am I going to say to that? I can tell you what, she's healed. Today, if we could see what she sees, we would understand. 
But somebody that's not part of our church decided to walk into that room and with faith and yelling and screaming and all this and blah, 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 and healed because the wife says, blah, blah, blah. And, they went, and when they left, the, her, her son and, her, and his wife uh, called and said, somebody just came and prayed and, and she was really angry. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know who was there. He says, I don't know, but she was really angry. And my wife talked to them, and my wife gave them such a great answer. She says, she's hurting because Sharon's her friend, and she loves her, and she doesn't want to let her go. What a great answer. That's why I'm married to her. She's, she makes me look good. She's incredible. All right? And then I started praying about that. I said, Lord, did I miss it? Should we have been praying, like, you know, in faith? And, and the Lord said, that was all about her. That had nothing to do with me. That's rough. When we walk into a situation and we want to do, and we, that's all about us. That's not God. Now, if God, through the Holy Spirit, gives you the discernment on what to do, because that's what Jesus did. I don't do anything that the Father doesn't tell me to do. We need that discernment. I need that discernment. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit so that when I step out there in faith, it happens just like he said. We need that discernment. God's proclamation. The Lord answered. We will do this. We will strike down the Midianites together. See, God, here we see God promising Gideon a specific outcome. He is declaring the victory beforehand. Gideon already said that they were going to beat him. He already mentioned, why have you handed us over to the Midian? He already said that they, and it hadn't even happened yet. Now he has a back and forth with God. Does the whole fleece, I'm not going to cover all that. If this happens, if that happens, if this, you know, then I know it's you. And he's like, right, having this. And then God gives him the specifics, and Gideon gathers 32,000 men just before he's going into battle. And God says, you have too many guys. You got too many men. But the Midianites are innumerable. Read it. Innumerable. They couldn't say 100,000, 200,000, a million. They're innumerable. The valley is filled with these guys. With these men of battle. You have too many. If you win, you will take the credit for the victory. God tells Gideon, get rid of any that are scared. Surprised Gideon didn't join that group. <laughs> 22,000 men leave. With 10,000 men, God says, still too many. Take them down to the river and drink. And those that cup their hands and drink like dogs, you can keep those. Only 300 drank that way. So now he's down to 300 against. And he says, this is what you're going to do. Since we're doing this together, you want to do what I say? Gideon could have said, okay, God, you gave me the victory. Okay, I got an idea. Isn't that what we do? God, didn't you say in your word? Okay, we're going to do it this way. No. If we're teamed up with God, he's in charge. <laughs> we got to do what he says. We don't tell God what to do, but we do. We do that all the time. 
I got to figure it out. We're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do the other, and, you know, and then you're going to help me with this, God, and then when I do this, you're going to do that. No. God, what do you want me to do? That should be the end of that conversation. God, lead me, direct me, show me. What do you want me to do? He tells him, get yourself a torch and a vessel and a stick. You're going to light the torch. You're going to put the vessel over it so it's dark. And then you're going to take that stick. I'm going to tell you what to do. Judges 7, 17 through 20. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. What? When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp. And what? Say. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. We'll come back to that. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outposts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. The light came on. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in the air in their left, in their left hands and the trumpet in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. The sword of the Lord and of Rick. Come on, you're facing a circumstance? I come to you in the sword of the Lord and... Thank you. I'm fighting my battle with the sword of the Lord and... You want to, I feel bigger than Goliath, right? I got God on my side. This is what God told me to do. Read that story. The, the, enemy, the Midianites, uh, one of them has a dream about the barley bread. You guys know about the barley bread? You got to read the story. I can't go into it now. I'm already way over. But you got to read the story about the barley bread. He has this dream and, and they get all scared. And you know what happens is once all that happens, the enemy defeats itself. Gideon and his men didn't even have to fight. All they had to do was say, I come to you in the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Is this the same guy in the wine press? He just began to believe what God said about him. God said. See, the word of the Lord began to settle in his heart and his confession changed. He said, for I am the weakest to the leader of an army proclaiming that the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. I am the weakest, but yet we're going to win. What are you speaking over your circumstance? Are you arguing with God about what you're able to do and not able to do? What you're capable of doing and not capable of doing? Who you are, who you're not, if your education is enough, if, if you pray, if you do this, if you don't do that. If... Change what you're saying we confess what we believe, which is determined by what we receive from the word. We said that at the beginning. Without the word, your confession has no power and no promise of an outcome. Last scripture, Joel chapter 3, verse 10. Let the weak 
say I am strong. And, and we love that little piece of scripture, but you got to read that. If you don't mind, stand to your feet. We're going to put the lights down a little bit. He says, let the weak say I am strong. Do you know who he's talking to? He's talking to farmers, lowly farmers, and he's sending them into battle. And Joel is prophesying, and he's telling them, take all of your, your uh, carts and your tools to, to, to till the ground, your till, take all that, break it down, and turn them into battle, into swords and into axes, into weapons. Take the stuff that you use to make and, and to till the ground and to do all that and turn it into weapons. And then he tells them. And now they've got weapons. But they're still weak. They're not warriors. But Joel says, let the weak say, I am strong. <laughs> the enemy is not going to challenge your word if it's according to the word of God. You will not have to do a thing. You won't have to lift a finger because you've already told him that you are strong. Why? Because he is with me. He's not even going to try you. He's not even going to try you. Because you've already said something. The sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Let's say that together, but you put your name in there. Ready? The sword of the Lord and the sword of Rick. Come on. The sword of the Lord and the sword of Rick. Come on. I'm like, where was that a few months ago when I needed it? But now we have it. Don't take this word today here and leave saying, wow, that was good. Oh, I learned this, and I learned about this story, and I never heard about this person and that. Forget all that. Take it and use it to have a proper confession into your situation in your life. And make sure that it is according to the word. Listen, our prayer is not us going to God and telling him what to do for us. Our prayer is agreeing with what God already said. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. All the promises of God are yes and amen. His promises, not mine, his. So let my speech and my confession be according to what God said. Let it be according to what God said. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, help us to understand, Father, that we are. We are fighting the battle with you. You go before us. Oof, that's good stuff. Thank you, Lord. Lord, empower us today. To fill our hearts with your word, with the vocabulary of the promises of God in our hearts, that we may have proper confession, and that we may see ourselves, that we may see ourselves like you see us, victors, not victims, overcomers, 
That's what you call us. You call us overcomers. We are not weak. We are strong because of you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to end with this. I want you to adjust your prayer. This is what I was going to preach, and the Lord kept leading me towards these two uh, particular messages. We understand prayer, and our prayer has been dwindled down and, and down to just going before God and asking for something. But prayer is so much more than that. But we've, we've come down to that point because we don't believe that we have the power in us. We don't believe that we could speak to a circumstance and have it change. So we ask God to do it. And when the circumstance doesn't change, who do we blame? We blame God. When God said, I gave you the power. I gave you the ability. I am with you. Go and make the circumstance change. I'm going to do it with you. Our prayer, some of our prayer, not, obviously we have to have that prayer with God, but our prayer is confession towards our circumstance. We ask God to heal us about something. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, we, we come before the Lord and we say, Lord, uh, uh, I've been diagnosed with diabetes and uh, your word says that the stripes of Jesus I am healed and I need you to heal me. Okay. That's fine. Lord, your word says that by the stripes of Jesus, I am already healed. So, Lord, I pray that that would manifest in my life because it's already happened. You already did it. It's a more faith-filled prayer, isn't it? Here's the next one. Pancreas? You're going to work in the way that my creator intended you to work. And you're going to do and exactly what you're supposed to do? And you're going to, you, this diabetes, I speak to it in my body and I tell it it must leave in Jesus' name. That's a whole nother prayer. Now you've taken the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead that lives inside of you and you've quickened your mortal body by your confession according to the word. That changes everything. It changes everything. That sounds crazy. Are you going to talk to your circumstance? Oh, yeah. You don't like where you work? Sit out in the parking lot in your car, get there a little bit early, and begin to speak to the situations that are happening in that building. Speak to the people that are in that building and walk through there. And you change the atmosphere of what's happening around you. Don't let the atmosphere change you. God is with you. You think God's going, oh, I can't believe that Mary's saying this, and, and I can't, oh, that person got a, a raise, and they moved, and I, right? No. I am more than a conqueror. I have favor. I have God's favor in my life. Anything I put my hands to shall prosper, your word says. Go to work. If you make widgets, make widgets and say, I'm going to prosper because I'm doing something with my hands. Why? Because that's what it says. Change the way you pray and you confess into your life. Your circumstances will change. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. 
And the second part of this will be in two weeks. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. We bless. We ask for your blessings upon us, Father. I ask you to solidify this word and let it root into the hearts of these people that are here today, Father, in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.